This is episode number 1003 with Jay Shetty. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Author Marcel Proust said, the voyage of discovery is not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And Headspace co-founder Andy Puttacombe says, remember the blue sky. It may at times be obscured by clouds, but it's always there. My guest today is a school of greatness luminary, one of my closest friends, Jay Shetty. And he is the host of the incredibly popular podcast, On Purpose. As a former monk, he has a unique perspective on cultivating a mindset, lifestyle, and daily routine to help achieve happiness and success. Now, Jay has a new book coming out called Think Like a Monk. Train your mind for peace and purpose every day. It's a message we all need to hear, and he has shared a ton of that wisdom with me today. And in this episode, we discuss what mindfulness really means, how to achieve peace of mind, mind regardless of what's going on in your life the three s's to design your life with love joy and passion the difference between living a purposeful life and finding your purpose how to overcome the fear of failure and success and so much more this is packed with wisdom with some incredible inspiration, and I know you're going to love it. If you do, make sure to share this with someone who needs to hear it because you have the power to change someone's life today by sending them this link right now. And a quick reminder to subscribe to the School of Greatness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to podcasts, and give us a quick rating and review. After this quick message, the one and only Jay Shetty. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug. But I ended up connecting to the world around me. A world where each sunset was painted. Where I felt adventures pulse with every step. And where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. You are in for a great treat. My man, Jay Shetty, is in the house. Brother, very excited about this. It's good to be back, man. Thank you for having me back. This is the third time you'll be on. The last two, people loved hearing us together and hearing your wisdom. And I feel like we just scratched the surface. Literally. You told us about your story in the last couple. But for those that don't know, you were a monk for many years, for about four years. Three. Three years. After going down a journey of... Multiple women, some drugs, some alcohol, some like different, trying different things in life that you thought would bring you joy and fulfillment, but you realize they weren't bringing you a lot of peace internally, right? And so you found a mentor who was a monk, you were really inspired by his life, and you left to go live in an ashram in India. 
and that's part of your story. And then you went off to leave monk life. You got a corporate job and you started creating content around what you learned from the lessons of, of being a monk. And over the last three years, you've exploded in the world with your content from your podcast to social media to viral videos. And now you've got an amazing book out, Think Like a Monk, that's amazing. I want people to get. And I wanted to start with asking about mindfulness because this is something that I hear people talk about a lot. When I had another uh, guru named Sadhguru, he said, I don't like the word mindfulness because your mind is too full and you actually want to have mind nothingness essentially. You want to have nothing in your mind so you can be more at peace. You talk a lot about practicing meditation and also prayer. And you say something that was interesting about using silence to hear in between the lines. So can you share what that means to hear in between the lines through prayer, meditation, mindfulness, and kind of what this all means? How can we understand this? There's a lot of noise about it, but what does it really mean? Yeah. Beautiful. First of all, I'm glad to be back, man. The School of Greatness is Excited, man. a special place. And the fact that this is, so everyone who's listening or watching, this is how you test whether your friend really knows you. Lewis just told my life story <laughs> in 30 seconds, yeah, exactly. which means that we're real friends. Uh, Lewis was able to summarize everything that I've been yes. through in the last 10 years in, in uh, 30 seconds. I appreciate you, man. Of course, and, man. And I'm really happy to be back. And yeah, let's talk about the term and let's talk about that specific answer. So... When I hear the word mindfulness, to me, what it really means is intentionality. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is, are you crafting, designing, and intentionally creating your life? Or are you just coasting in the passenger seat of your life, which is just dragging you and driving you wherever it's taking you? And so it's the difference between being the driver or being in the passenger seat. Mm -hmm. And so to me, living intentionally is what allows you to live a life of by design. And so I'll give an example of what mindfulness can look like. There's something in the book that I talk about called the three S's, which are sights, scents, and sounds. Now, if you think about that, we're exposed to sights, scents, and sounds every single day. Yeah. Every single day. But how many of us have crafted those to be sights, scents, and sounds that we want in our life? So this is what I realized. When we were monks, one of the most important things was, what was the first thing you saw, the sight, when you woke up? And right now, most people are probably seeing their screen. Yeah, I think 80% of people look at their screens first thing in the morning and the last thing at the night. Mm. So you're seeing your screen first thing in the morning. But what are you really seeing? You're seeing everyone else's priorities. You're seeing everyone else's issues and challenges. You're seeing everyone else's messages to you, which means you're already starting your day off reactively. But what if you started your morning looking at a painting that inspired you mm. or a picture of a loved one that brought joy in your heart or your favorite quote by Lewis or by anyone else that right. when you read that in the morning, you were like, oh, yeah, I feel in charge today mm -hmm. to, to make a difference in the world. So imagine the first thing you saw in the morning was something inspiring. How much would your day change? That's mindfulness. Mm. Mindfulness is being intentional and mindful about what you are exposing yourself to. Let's talk about sounds next. So sounds was something that I started to study actually much later from a modern life perspective. But when we were monks, we would wake up to birds, we would wake up to water, we'd wake up to gongs or cymbals. Chants. Or, chants, yeah. exactly, which are all beautiful sounds. Now, the crazy thing is all of us wake up to something called an alarm. 
No, uh, 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 right, just like <laughs> literally. I don't know why anyone would want to wake up、alarmed. to an alarm. Why would you want to wake up alarmed? It means now your system is alarming. Like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to wake up in shock, in a state of like a jolt? I don't think that's a positive way to wake、mm-hmm. up. So changing the sound that you wake up to. Now I'm not saying that everyone can wake up to nature sounds. Maybe you're one of those people who just hit the snooze button again. But what if you woke up to a sound or a song、hmm. that brought you joy? Now, when I lived in New York for two years between 2016 and 2018, I started to feel quite exhausted by the end of the day, and I was really looking into like why is it that I feel tired? And I started to realize I came across this term called cognitive load, and what it means is that a lot of the sounds that you hear in New York City are sounds that are insignificant for your mind to process: drilling, construction work. Taxis honking, driving, cars screeching, scratching. People of, yelling at each other. People yelling at each other on the streets. Like all of that sound is called cognitive load, where your brain is now trying to make sense of meaningless sound. Or it's also just like, should I be afraid? This is a loud sound. Is my brain going to fight or flight? Like I need to protect myself. <laughs> so you're always being alarmed. Yeah, exactly. And you hear sirens. The amount of sirens that I remember hearing on the streets. Now, when you hear sirens, sirens have an emotional trigger. And they have an emotional response to them. So think about your day. Think about when you come home from work. Well, now you're working from home. Right. <laughs> What sound do you want to hear when you're working?、Mm. What sound do you want to hear at the end of the day? When you sound design your life, that's called mindfulness. That's being、mm. intentional.、Yes. And then finally, scent.、Uh, scent is such a powerful sense that we're not even aware. How many of you, when you smell your favorite food? Can't already wait to eat it. Like you can、mm, almost taste it. Salivating, in, yeah, you're salivating. You can taste it already without just through scent. Why is it that every time、mm, you walk、pizza. into, <laughs> <laughs> my, yeah, my favorite. Yeah, I think pizza has one of the best scents. Well, your your wife Rowdy's got some amazing food. That、yeah. was amazing scent. When I walked in the kitchen last week, I was like. Mm, this is amazing. That was, that, that was for you. That was special. That was for you. That was for you. That was a good meal. That、so、was a、good. really good meal.、Uh, she really appreciated that you love to eat too. Like she was happy. Her, her heart was full. Yeah, exactly. Bring、yeah. a former jock into your house, and you'll <laughs> you'll clear all the food yeah, out. Yeah, she's. I've never seen someone eat that much. <laughs> I was like, he's a, you know, this like big American dude. I was yeah, like, Lewis、yeah. is like, you know, he can eat. And so, no, it was great. She was so happy that、yeah. you appreciated it so much. She,、sure. she really appreciated that. But, But the scent, scent is important in your life. When, when you walk into a massage spa, it's the scent, the eucalyptus, the lavender, the sandalwood.、Mm, it puts you in a peaceful state. Dude, scent puts you in zen without trying. And so mindfulness. Is intentionally creating a life that makes you feel what you want to feel without having to just create the feeling from inside. You may say, Jay, you know, I really struggle trying to be positive. I struggle trying to deal with anxiety. I struggle trying to be focused. Your sight, sense, and sounds can help you do that. Yeah. And you start creating an environment where you naturally feel that. Like today, when I walked into your studio, I saw your books. I saw all these motivational quotes.、Uh-huh. I saw a boxing glove, and it's like all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, I'm in a uplifting environment,、uh-huh. right?" So you already get triggered. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think、uh, a friend of mine mentioned one time on the podcast. Chris Lee said, "You want to create an, an environment like a rainforest, where things、mm-hmm. can thrive and grow, as opposed、mm-hmm. to having an environment like a desert where things go to die." That's beautiful. And if you have sights. Sense and sounds that are like a desert for your life or your heart, and it's going to be hard to grow those things from your heart. But if you create an environment of a rainforest where things can grow, 
water, nature, you know, cool air, things like that, then you can really start to cultivate that growth. Yeah. You mentioned about creating and designing your life. How much of the world do you think we receive by being here? And how much of the world do we create ourselves? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. It's, it's a complete dynamic dance between what the Vedic tradition would call fate and free will. So fate is what is already created for you. And a good example would be the place you were born, mm -hmm. the type of family you grew up in, the socioeconomic background you had. It was already there when you walked into the world. But within that, you had choices where your free will came about. Mm. You had the choice to either do what everyone in your neighborhood did or to do something different. You had the choice to have a relationship with a particular person or not. So what happens is that we're constantly creating new spaces from which we have another choice. Right. And so you kind of see it as this dynamic dance between, okay, now I'm in this situation and now what is my choice in this situation? So I would say, I wouldn't, I'm not saying it's equal, I'm saying it's a dynamic balance and a switching process yeah. where you're constantly creating a new level and then now in that level you have a next choice. Because mm -hmm. we, we didn't have the choice to be created here. We, didn't, we were here and that wasn't our choice. Now everything after that is our choice, right? Yeah, and there are some, there obviously there are some traditions and I'm a, I'm a big mm -hmm. diver into like reincarnation and past lives. So according to the beliefs of reincarnation or past lives, you have at some point made a choice mm -hmm. to be here. But taking it more simplistically, the truth is that when you're brought into a situation, it's uh, the best analogy that I've heard and, and it's been told for years is of a father is an alcoholic one of the sons that he has decides to become an alcoholic because his father's an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. The other son decides to never drink alcohol because his father's an alcoholic. Right, right. So they were exposed to the same situation and same scenario. Same environment. Same environment. But they both made different choices based on their experience. And that's the choice element. That's the element that we should be trying to empower in our lives because we can constantly say I'm limited by my environment or I've been restricted by my environment. And hey, it's true. There are so many of us that have been limited and restricted. But by now you repeating that, you are going to repeat that restriction in your life. How much of a positive environment supports us in our growth or holds us back? There are some people who have the perfect family situation, resources, beautiful backyards and nature who are lazy. And there are others who have, you know, divorced parents, abusive parents, uh, abusive friends, an environment of a desert. Yeah. And they figure out a way to thrive. Totally. How much importance does our environment play in our overall success? If you look at the examples that you just shared and you really analyze life, you'd see very little because you see people craft their own life. So a, a good example for me is that when I came back from living in the ashram and there were other people who may have been monks who'd also left the path. And I came back to a not financially successful or supportive family. So my family doesn't have abundant wealth and couldn't necessarily have taken care of me or paid for me forever. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure out my own life. And that to me was a great sense of impetus and incentive to go and figure it out and learn new skills and network and meet people. And I saw other friends whose parents had like a property portfolio with like 10 properties ready to hand them over. They had a BMW the second right. that they 
came out, whatever, you know, from their own life. Yeah. Or I ha even have friends that had all of that and didn't become monks and didn't even find careers. So I've also got friends that I went to school with that today don't even have careers, even though their parents were really well established. Right. Which has all of these examples have continued me to believe that we truly have influence in our, more than our environment. Our environment affects us for sure. It plants seeds and weeds into our life, but there is still a choice. And, and I think even if you feel there isn't a choice, simply by accepting that there is, it means you have a chance to get out of there. And right. I think that's what- Because if you don't accept that there is, then you're just gonna stay stuck. Correct, like there've been so many times in my life, and, and there's a beautiful uh, quote from Edison, I don't think I said this last time, but if I did, it's, it's worth repeating. He said that when you believe you've exhausted all options, remember this, you haven't. Mm. And the reason why I love that is your mind continuously feels stuck when it's tried the obvious. And that's why a lot of creativity and focus studies say that the first 10 ideas that come to your mind are never the most interesting. It's when you get into the 11th idea that you start breaking the pattern. Mm. And so if someone asks you, oh, what's your best business idea? Your first 10 ideas are probably not that innovative. And so the mind constantly gets stuck on that train mm. and you've got to keep reminding yourself that there is another door. There could be another pathway. I was thinking about a piece of advice that, so one of my closest spiritual mentors who was in London I knew him since I was probably like 12 and properly since I was 18. He passed away this year from stage four brain cancer. Mm -hmm. And he had brain cancer for about, I think like three, three yeah. four years now. And so I hadn't really had a real interaction with him for the past few years because every time I saw him, he wasn't fully functioning in his short-term memory. His long-term memory was there, but his short-term memory wasn't. And I remember speaking to him probably about seven, eight years ago and asking him the question, I said to him, you know, I've got so many ideas. There's so many things I could do. Where do I start? And, and he said this beautiful thing to me. He said, you know what? Your role should be to open up every door possible. And he said, let the world close the doors you're not meant to walk through Ooh. and walk through the ones that remain open. Ooh. And what I realized is most of us are just not opening up enough doors because we think we only have the option of two doors. We look at life as binary. Zero and one, zero and one, right? Mm -hmm. It's just this or A that, or B, yeah. this or that. And I mean, I, I think you'd say this too about you and every guest you've ever had on. I don't think life is ever this or that. It's yeah. like this, that, and that, and maybe that, mm -hmm. and that. And there's always a gap. Of course. The challenge that people have is, that I've sensed a lot is the fear of criticism when you go after something that you weren't supposed to do mm -hmm. or that people don't think you're supposed to do. Why do so many people fear criticism from peers, family, friends, the media. Why is that such a big fear? And how do we overcome criticism from others? Psychologically, we feel a sense of safety and security when we think people agree with us, right? That, that is just psychologically true that I, we would rather avoid conflict and sit in a space where we agree and therefore we have something called confirmation bias mm -hmm. and the echo chamber where we keep surrounding ourselves with thoughts and ideas that are similar and reaffirm our beliefs. Now, I think that you can have that and at the same time entertain ideas that you're not sure about yet. And so one of my favorite examples was MIT did this study where they asked people which person was more creative and innovative. And they showed two charts. One chart was employee A and the other chart was employee B. The chart for employee A, all of the people they knew, knew each other and knew them back. So mm -hmm. it was almost like a closed loop. 
And employee B, they knew lots of people who didn't know each other. And they found that people who have more people in their network who don't know each other are more likely to be creative and productive. Really? Why is yeah, that? Because they expose you to opposing ideas and they may counteract how you think. So mm. one of my favorite examples of this is a conversation between uh, Mark Zuckerberg and one of his mentors. So Mark Zuckerberg told this story at the Facebook headquarters a few years back. I wasn't there, I've seen it on video, and I'm sure it's available. And he talks about how when he was struggling with the direction of Facebook in 2009, he approached his mentor, and his mentor happened to be Steve Jobs. Wow. Pretty cool. Wow. Pretty cool, I That's wish. really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's so cool, man. And so anyway, so Mark Zuckerberg goes to Steve Jobs and he says, I'm struggling with the direction of Facebook. Remember at that time, Facebook was five years old. There was no fan pages, I don't think. I don't, I don't think it was, there was no creators. There was, I don't think there were fan pages. It was very much used by university it's students still, at that stage. Yeah. Like I think it was mainly like Ivy Leagues. College and kids. College still, kids. Yeah. And I don't even think it was international in a massive way, very early days, and now we can't even think of that. But 2009, I mean, you know, you just about had the... One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 7. My trip to South Dakota was the best summer ever. Now I don't need to go to Mars because I've been to the Badlands. And I caught a bigger walleye than Dad when we went to the Missouri River. Then I rode my bike through these huge rocks called needles. Ooh, I also saw my first herd of bison, even a fuzzy furry baby one. I can't wait to go back and see more. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. iPhone and just about had Instagram Crazy, and YouTube. Man. So he went up to Steve Jobs and he said, you know, I'm struggling with the direction of Facebook. What do I do? Now, Steve Jobs at that time obviously was already the founder of one of the biggest brands on the planet. And mm -hmm. obviously the brand still is. He had access to investors. He had access to business coaches. I'm sure he had access to life coaches. He had access to health experts. Health and experts. Everything. He had access to anything. Like I don't think there was anyone scientists, whatever. Scientists, PhDs. I don't think there's anyone in the world who Steve Jobs couldn't have called up at the time. And Steve Jobs said something amazing. He said, "You know what, Mark? I think you should go and live in an ashram in India." <laughs> he did not. He did. Oh, no way. True story. <laughs> he goes, and when you go to live in the ashram in India. That's where, if you spend some time there, that's where you'll find your answer. Shut up. And Mark did it. No Mark way. Mark went to the ashram. It's a true story. For how long? I, I believe he was there for, I believe, I've seen two online. I've seen two versions of the mm -hmm. exact time he was there. I've seen some people said it was a couple of days or a week, or some people said it's a month. So I think it's, mm -hmm. it's hazy how much time he actually spent there. But, but he went. And he says that based on that experience, that's where he found the direction of Facebook to be connecting people. Now, the reason why I love that story is because it's the unobvious, alternative, random connection. Mm. And when Harvard did a study of 3,000 executives, they looked at and asked them, what's the number one skill for being a good leader? 
And a lot of people would say communication. A lot of people would say vision, vision, strategy, humility. And the number one answer that they got from 3000 executives was the one word which is called associating. And what that means is the ability to spot patterns where everyone else doesn't see them. And that's the connect that real leaders can spot patterns and connections in anomalies. So most people will be like, what has an ashram got to do with a tech platform? Right. But that is where you expand your mind to find answers that you never expected. How important is creating alone time um, with noises, people, busy work to allow your mind to expand? Is that the only time in that silence? I think you mentioned it. Mm. Silence to hear in between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Is that where we start to hear what we're supposed to be creating, where we're supposed to be heading, our mission? That's, yeah, I'm really glad you brought that back. I wanted to get back to that. So when we talk about, there's there's a beautiful statement by David Lynch, who's movie producer and uh, deep meditator. And he says that prayer is how you talk to God and meditation is how God talks to you. Ooh. And whether you believe in God or the universe or spirit or divine, whatever it means, the point is that there is a dialogue and a conversation. So prayer is like you're speaking. You're saying, yeah. here's what I want. Here's how I feel. Help me. Or, help or, me, yeah. And meditation is more receiving. Receiving, yeah. And so I, I love that statement because I think it makes it very clear that we have to have a dialogue with the universe. We have to have a dialogue with people in our lives. We have to have a dialogue and there's both he- giving and receiving. So when I talk about hearing in between the lines, The best example I can give you, Lewis, is let's take a look at you and your relationship and mine and my wife's relationship. One of us is always traveling. Yeah. So you travel, your partner travels, I travel, my wife travels. Sometimes we're missing each other. Imagine you've got really busy and hectic. Do you think, and anyone listening or watching, you can ask the same question. If you were really busy and hectic and stressed out, do you think your partner feels comfortable to tell you how they feel? And get your attention. Uh, if if I'm busy, stressed out, yeah. overwhelmed, yeah. will my partner tell me how I feel about themselves or about... Yeah, do you think they would feel confident to be like, Lewis, I need to tell you something really important? Mm. Um, I don't think they would. They wouldn't. Yeah. They really wouldn't because... They don't want to stress you out more. They don't want to stress you out You're more. You're not present, all these things. Exactly. So exactly that. And so what happens is when you're still your mind and body actually get to speak to you and give you signals of how they feel. And so when you're still, that's when you notice that ache in your foot that you haven't noticed for a month. Sometimes when you slow down, that's when you get sick because your body wasn't allowing itself to be sick because you were pushing it to get through stuff. Mm -hmm. And so just like your partners can't communicate with you until you slow down, your body and mind can't communicate with you until you still. Mm. And so there's a beautiful Buddhist teaching that says what movement does for the body, stillness does for the mind. (laughs) And so when we find that space, stillness and solitude, you really are able to hear your deepest desires and Mm. challenges, your physical pains and and areas of growth. It's one of the reasons why when people meditate, they feel sleepy afterwards and they think they're doing it wrong. But actually, they're doing it right. Meditation just told you you needed more sleep. You needed to rest. Yeah, meditation was just a signal. So sometimes when I meditate with people that I'm coaching, <laughs> like pass out. Yeah, some of them, some of them will be like, oh, "I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm so sorry, Jay, I'm, I'm just feeling so tired." And I'm like, "No, no then sleep, the rest." Yeah, that's what yeah. your body's telling you because you finally listened. And some people are like, "Oh, Jay, I feel so energized." 
And I'm like, yeah, because you allowed yourself to be in line with your body and now your body's saying that you feel energized. Yeah. And that's great. You've got that energy. Go work out. Go build something. So, Or you've cleared out those negative thoughts or you've let go of those distractions or that resentment. And so you're not feeling this weight. So you feel lighter. Correct. And so that stillness and silence is one of my favorite ways for you to actually build that relationship with hearing your inner voice. Is there too much silence? Like if you say, okay, five hours a day, it's, is there a tipping point when you're like, okay, I think you do two hours every morning, but a lot of people say, well, I've only got 20 minutes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Is, is five hours too much? Is an hour, you know, what is the maximum or minimum or yeah. sweet spot you think for people to be silent every day yeah. to live a great life? I think, I think 20 minutes is a great starting point. Yeah. Because 20 minutes is significant enough time for your mind to switch off. So mm-hmm. we hear that studies show that we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And a lot of them are repeating. Negative. 80% are negative, and yeah. I'm guessing a lot of them are repeating. Yeah. And so if you're only going to say, I'm going to do five minutes, it just takes five minutes to switch off. Like it takes five minutes to just overcome that noise. And so I'd say that 20 minutes is a good amount of time. And hey, you're not trying, and I think this is the challenge with meditation mindfulness, you're not trying to empty your mind. You're just trying to be present with it. And actually and listen, exper- and listen to it and experience it. If we were to truly find that peace every day and be able to, be present, relax our heart rate, you know, not empty our mind, but listen to what's happening. What would you say are the three questions we should ask ourselves every single day that would help us improve our life? In that moment? Internal questions every day during meditation. What should I be asking myself and what should the world be asking ourselves in order to make sure we're living a purposeful life? Yeah. What a beautiful question. Yeah. I'd say one of the first questions that always comes to my mind is, is how can I be of service today? How can I be an, and this is extended from that first question, how can I be an instrument of love, compassion, and kindness? And that's what I count as service in my yeah. own definition. And so what I would say to anyone listening is, define the words yourself. Because what service means to you, me, may be different to you. Right. And so it's important. But for me, it's like, how can I be of service today? And the reason why I love that is, we've talked about this before, when you're wired for service, you're set up, right? We talked about in the last podcast, like Mm -hmm. service sets you up to feel satisfaction, to build bonds and create connections and does so much. So being of service is one of the first questions I would ask. The second question I was asked myself is, what do I love about myself, Mm. right? What do I actually love about myself? That is probably the most powerful question anyone could ask because most people never learn to love themselves. Totally. And we always find the things that we don't love about ourselves and we fixate on those things And that's one of the repeating thoughts in our head that keeps us playing small every day. All the time, all the time. And and we talk a lot about today self-love and self-care. But I think, you know, a lot of that starts with self-awareness, which we know about, self-knowledge. But self-knowledge creates self-trust. And a lot of it's like learning to trust ourselves. And it's like, if I don't know what I love about myself, how am I ever going to trust myself? How am I going to trust that I have my best interest at heart? Yeah. And so asking yourself, what do you love? And, and then the third and final question I think I would ask myself is, is who do I want to be? Right? Who, do I wa- who is the person that I need to be uh, that I can love, that I want to love, that I want to give more love to? Mm. Like what parts of growth are there still available? And, and there's one thing I want to add, which isn't a question, but it has been a really reaffirming or or deepening affirmation for me that I keep reminding myself, and I think it's helped a lot of people that have shared it with, is literally some days I'll just put my hand on my heart 
and I'll just repeat to myself, I'm exactly where I need to be. Mm. And so true. it's just such a great reminder. Like if you literally put your hand on your heart and you just go, I am exactly where I need to be. You stop getting lost in the future. You stop worrying about the past and you realize that everything you need to learn, everything you read right now to make a change, it's all right now. It's all right here. And so that's one of my favorite things to repeat. It's not a question, but... It's more of a mantra saying... Correct, uh, yeah. Because I find, I find it so hard for people today who compare themselves to everyone online yeah. about not being where they want to be or not having the, the career or the relationship or the body or whatever, the following or the attention. A lot of people compare themselves to other people in their space. Yeah. Friends, family, and they don't feel enough. And so when we say to ourselves, I'm exactly where I need to be, does that help us eliminate the feeling of not being enough? Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on because we're always feeling like we're, we either feel like we're ahead. We feel like, oh, I'm doing better than everyone. I'm, I'm kind of like winning the game. Or more often we feel behind where we feel like, oh, they just got promoted. Oh, they just, you know, they got proposed to. Whatever it is, like we're always feeling ahead. They had ahead. their first child or they whatever. They had their yeah. first child. They uh, bought their first house, whatever it is. And we're always feeling ahead or behind. And so when you say to yourself, mm. I'm exactly where I need to be, you realize you're not ahead or behind. And the problem is if you always think you're ahead or behind, then you're always comparing yourself to others. Whereas if you're where you need to be, you now just need to get to the next place of where you want to be. Yeah. And, and also, you only get ahead of yourself by first being present with yourself. And I think it's really hard to say that when you're in a challenging place in your life. I'm exactly where I need to be. I, I'm broke. My, yeah. my dog died. My girlfriend yeah. broke up with me. Like, yeah. It's hard to accept that. Yeah. And I've been there. I know you've been there. It's yeah. really challenging to say, my life is perfect right now when you don't feel that way. Yeah. But I think when you can learn to accept timing of life and know that you know a mentor of mine early on um when i was broke and i was an intern working for free for six months for someone i was living on my sister's couch i remember saying i would do walks with them every day and i was like man i could really use some money like in my life i'm just sick of being broke and he said something i'll never forget he said money comes to you when you're ready for it and i was like i feel pretty ready right now like i feel like i could have some money yeah and I wasn't ready for it. Mentally, emotionally, my life wasn't set up. I didn't have systems set up mm. in place to really receive the money and be able to do good with it mm. and be able to use it for good in my life and put it to good use. Mm. And later when I started to make money, I realized like, oh, I probably would have blown that money. I would have mm. spent it poorly. I would have made the wrong investments, whatever it may be. Yeah, It's hard to hear when things aren't going well, but I think trusting the timing of your life. Like if you would have built your empire seven years ago, you probably wouldn't have been ready for, maybe maybe you would have been, but you wouldn't have been ready or social media wasn't the right timing for your message to be out there, is that right? Yeah, I, I, I think that if I wouldn't have gone to monk school, then mm. I think you can become successful but still feel extremely dissatisfied or right. misuse the success. Yes. And I don't think that that can be blamed on anyone because no one's ever been taught how to deal with failure or success. There's right. no class on here's how you deal with failure yeah. or here's how you deal with success. <laughs> but the funny thing is those are the two most extreme things that we all experience. And the things we're most afraid of are failure and success. And success. So how do we deal with failure? If you could give a mini masterclass yeah. right now, what would you suggest to people who are afraid to fail yeah. how to deal with it? Yeah, I think one of my first things in failure 
is don't take it more personally than it actually is. And I'll give an example of that. When I was applying to 40 companies that all rejected me before an interview, <laughs> yeah. all I was getting was an automated response saying your application will not go any further. I can't take that personally because they didn't meet me in person. They didn't have a interaction with me. They just saw my name. They saw I'd been a monk for three years. That resume is useless. I mean, sure. what's your transferable skills? Like right. sitting in silence and stillness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Surprise, surprise, no one wants to hire a monk. And so they rejected you, but that's not personal because they didn't meet me in person. But what if they had met you? Right, so that's the first step. The first yeah. step is don't take all fear failure. I'll give an example, me and you, we reach out to countless guests to be on our podcast. Mm -hmm. Who say no all the time. Who say no all the time. But if I don't hear a no from the guest directly, that's not a no. Like someone's team can say no, someone's assistant can say no, someone's PR team can say no, but until they say no personally, it's not a no. Okay, but when they do say no. Then that's a no, yeah. So then let's move so to So how that. do you deal yeah. with that type of failure? Yes, so if I deal with a failure where someone meets me in person and gets to know like, me. No, Jay, you're horrible, you <laughs> suck. Like, I don't wanna deal with a monk ever in my life. Yeah. I would never go on your show. I'm never listening to you, never. Yeah. Then how do you deal with that type of so failure? So I've heard you say this, uh, I've said it a couple of times and I'm sure it's been repeated a uh -huh. bunch of times around how I genuinely believe failure has feedback. It's feedback, and, yeah. and so for me, it's like failure has the ability to actually tell you what you need to improve. Now, not to improve to get their attention, improving to get the actions that you want to take. Yeah, the results you want. The I mean, results yeah. you want. And yeah. don't make that result about the person who said no. Don't try use failure as a way to prove someone else wrong. Because what happens when we prove others wrong? When you prove others wrong, you end up trying to get validation and approval for them. And now if they're not impressed when you're right, you lose again. So you end up losing twice. You and you spend all this time and energy, years maybe, to prove someone wrong. I've been there many times. Yeah. And then you're like, I felt good for a moment. Yeah. And then I feel empty again. Totally. And, and so that's the thing about failure in the second half is you have to see failure as an improvement. If, if I'm completely honest, everyone who rejected me in my life up until now has made me more hungry, taught me so much more about myself, and made me up my game. Yeah. And I think if failure doesn't make you up your game, it's the same as losing in a sport, right? When you fail and you've lost games and you've mm -hmm. won games yeah. you know, on the big stages. You didn't have the skills, you didn't have the teamwork, you guys weren't hungry enough, you whatever it is. You weren't communicating enough. There's something you were missing. Yeah. So you go review the game film, you check the stats, you see what could I have done better, and you try to improve that for the next game. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can do that in life, but we're so afraid to like go on the next game mm -hmm. of life. Like I got rejected once and it hurts so bad. Yeah. How do people learn to overcome that pain of rejection? Yeah. To yeah. keep going. Yeah. You know, in sports, luckily there's a season which like you might have 30 basketball games. After you lose the first two, you don't say, uh, I'm just gonna give up the rest of the season. Yeah. You keep playing. Yes. But in life, a lot of people stop playing. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I think that's great mental training too. I think yeah. sports is great mental training because you have to show up to the next game even if you lost and you don't feel bad. Exactly. That you don't feel good, sorry. And, and one of the things, before I dive into that question, one of the things that you reminded me of was the, the Last Dance documentary. Mm -hmm. So there's that season that Michael Jordan, everyone is agreement, in, in agreement that he is one of the best players to be playing and they keep losing. And they didn't make the finals. Right? They didn't right, make yeah. the finals, they lost. And then they realize they need to get the team and they need to find, the, I think they're bringing Dennis Rodman and then yeah. they start bringing in all these other players that strengthen. Whereas if they would have just said, oh, we got the best player in the world, we just keep doing this. 
I'm not sure they would have got there, right? But the coach, Phil Jackson, and the team, they had to adapt. And so you're saying, why do we feel that pain in rejection and, and mm -hmm. how do we deal with mm -hmm. that? I think we feel that pain because we look at a failure, right? We look at it as a complete definition of us, mm. right? We're looking at it as, as uh, there's that famous statement of like, you know, failure is an event, not a person. Right. And I don't know who said it, but it's one of those statements that, that really clicks. Like failure is... Uh, an event, not a person. Mm -hmm. Whereas we start thinking we are the failure. Mm. Like we say, I, I am, am a failure. failure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Like I, those are the words, I am a failure. I got rejected. And it's like, no, your application got rejected. Yeah, your efforts. Your effort, your specific effort at this moment in time got rejected. Your specific exam at this point got failed. You didn't, you are not a failure. And so you have to disconnect and distance yourself from the event. You know what's interesting is like, no one who was successful at everything they did ever told a good story. Like, the greatest stories are the ones who overcame failure and adversity. Yes. It's yes. not the ones who are like, everything was easy for me. Everyone loved me. Everyone accepted my actions. I didn't have to work hard. And it just came to me effortlessly. Yeah. Like, people don't care about that. No. That's not a good story. That's not an inspirational human being. Yeah. It's the human that had to deal with adversity that we really admire and yeah. we look up to. Yeah. Even if they had some low moments, it's a much better story of hearing about someone's failure than hearing how they succeeded. Totally. And you've, that's a beautiful lesson that one of the biggest mistakes we make is we don't study the stories of the greats. So how many people's lives have you studied from start to finish? Yeah. If you've studied someone's life from start to finish, I genuinely believe this is like the core skill that's needed. I would say that the people I admire, I've studied their lives from start to finish. I know why they made bad decisions, what they consider to be good decisions. Like there's autobiographies and biographies out there. There's podcasts like ours where people come and listen to people's stories. If you've not studied someone's story, then you can't follow that path because every time yeah. you hit a rejection, so every time I get rejected, I think of Steve Jobs getting kicked out of his own company. Crazy, isn't every it? Every time I fail, I think about Michael Jordan losing a game. Every time I get tired of training, I think about Cristiano Ronaldo putting in that extra rep. Those are the visual cues that we need, but you only get those visual cues if you've done the research mm. and the study. And then you go, Oh, if Steve Jobs was kicked out of his own company, but then still had the audacity at one point to go and build Pixar, then I think I'm all right if I just didn't get this job. Yeah, and he right? would, and Apple wouldn't be where it is today without him getting kicked out, learning the lessons, having humility, like gaining some compassion, all the things that people said he didn't have fully at that time. He learned by having to be kicked out, start yeah. something else, bring a new perspective. Yeah. What did you call it? The... Um, Association? Yeah, associating, yeah. Like he was able to then go somewhere else and spot different trends, and then he came back to Apple and built it to where it is today, exactly. or helped build it to where it is today. And he probably, Apple wouldn't be where it is yeah. today without him being a rejection. Which is crazy to just right? think of that, yeah, exactly. So if he would have kept saying, I'm gonna keep doing it my way, and this is the way it is, it probably would have had some challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's the, the more you study the lives of inspirational people and that's what I'd say is everyone should pick their top three inspirational people mm -hmm. and go and study their lives. The full life. Yeah. Their full life. Yeah. And read the biography, the autobiography, listen to every podcast. I mean like seriously get immersed in that person or the journey in the industry you're trying to make sure. it in. And when you do that, you'll realize that your journey actually doesn't look that different from theirs. Yeah. It actually probably looks similar. So how do we 
go inside our minds and say, okay, I'm getting rejected over and over again. I'm trying really hard. It's not working. How do we still deal with that emotional pain? Mm-hmm. Is it just the self-awareness that every great person had to go through this and this is just a timing thing? Like, how do we eventually just ease that? Or should we not try to ease that pain? I don't think it's about easing it. I think it's about tr- engaging it. You know, it's, it, and I, I believe that the engaging does the easing, in my opinion, yes. at least. So what I mean by that is behind that pain is a understanding that I don't have this skill yes. or is an understanding of I didn't try hard enough or is an understanding of, oh, maybe there's just another option. Because guess what? Sometimes you may have done the best pitch in the world and you just had an executive that didn't like your yeah. vibe. Keep going. And keep, keep asking different yeah, people. Yeah, keep going. Like, you, you know, you've just got to realize that there's one, there's a, there's a, you have to engage that pain in discovery and that eases it because when you discover like, Oh, that, like, for example, let's take my podcast. My podcast producer, the team that was meant to produce my podcast, pulled out two weeks before we launched my podcast. Mm. And I thought I had this big deal lined up. I was really excited. I'd never launched a podcast before. And I thought, oh, yeah, this can be amazing. And I was in India meditating for my <laughs> annual trip that I take. I come back and the first news I remember receiving is, by the way, this isn't happening anymore. Mm. And I'd said that I was going to launch my podcast on Valentine's Day 2019. And I had my episodes recorded with my wife and yeah. I'd already gone out and made the content. So just to tee up how bad that two week notice was, I'd already gone to Monaco, interviewed Novak. I'd yeah. already interviewed Lily. I'd interviewed Russell Brand in London. I'd interviewed uh, my wife. And obviously those people are all close friends and people I know. So they were very happy to be on the podcast even when uh, it was new. So I'd already done all that effort. I'd already created all the content myself. All this podcast company was going to do was put it out there yeah. and help me market it a bit. And then they pull out two weeks before it comes out. And I'm going to myself, wow, okay, like I can either sit here and be really sad or I can scrap together and figure it out. And so the only thing I realized was it actually turned out perfectly because now I own my podcast. There fully you go. And I'm completely aware of every part of the journey. And it gave me more confidence in myself that I could scrap together when I had to. Yeah. And I think that's what it is, that we lack confidence. We're waiting for someone else to tell us how we should feel about ourselves. And I think if we go back to those three questions you said, like when you're feeling a failure over and over and over again, or you feel a sense of I'm not enough or whatever it may yeah. be, go back to asking those three questions to yourself. How can I be of service today or, mm-hmm. or serve today? What can I love about myself? So even when everyone's saying no, what is there to love about me? Correct. To remind yourself and not be validated by other people's opinions. Yeah. And who do I want to be yeah. that I can love? Yes, exactly. So who do just, I need to become? Who do I need to become that yeah. I can love? And just keep focusing on the process because the process is the prize. Yes. And focus on that journey. Yes. I'm curious about success then. You know, we, we've talked about how to deal with failure how do we deal with success? Because this is actually, when I ask most people, 50-50 of people are failure and success is their biggest fear. And some people say, why would you be afraid of success? But a lot of people are afraid to succeed because of the weight, the pressure, Uh, can I maintain it? My family and friends aren't gonna support me and they're gonna try to pull me back down, all this stuff. Mm. How do we deal with success? Because we're not taught this growing up. So how do you think we should deal with it? One of my favorite ways to deal with success is continue trying to be the least successful person in mm. the room that you're in. I think there's those statements of like, you know, never be, be the, the dumbest person. Yeah, never yeah. be the smartest person in the room, et cetera. And I think it's the same with, if you become successful, don't just stand at the top of the mountain, don't just stand at the top of the building, 
go back down the stairs and, and keep building and keep living as that person that got you there because you only got there because you started from the bottom, right? No one starts at the top. Mm. And so you started at the bottom and you built it up. And it was that mindset that you started with that got you there. And so you want to keep rediscovering that mindset and new parts of it and new parts of that mindset too, where you're always trying to challenge yourself. Mm. And so for me, one of the best ways of dealing with success is keep expanding the goalposts. Right, keep widening the goalposts, keep making them harder to reach and challenging yourself. Because when you challenge yourself and you push yourself out of your comfort zone, you're naturally humbled. Mm-hmm. Because you're naturally humbled when you're walking into spaces. I'm sure you feel this sometimes. Like sometimes I walk into a room and I'm like, how did I even get here? Yeah. Right? Like sitting I'm, on a table, I'm like, I'm the why should I be here? Yeah, yeah. like and, and there's part of it that's imposter syndrome and that can have its own negativity, but part of that just lets me feel like a beginner again. Yeah. And I appreciate that feeling and I go, this is amazing because learning to be grateful and stop just thinking that, oh, I earned all of this and I did it all myself and I'm self-made. You start recognizing gratitude for all the people that got you there. So for me in success, first thing is be grateful for all your teachers, mentors, guides, people that got you there. The second thing is always keep challenging yourself because the more you're out of your comfort zone, the more naturally you stay humble. You don't stay humble by trying to be humble. You become humbled constantly by trying to do stuff that's out of your league, which constantly makes you prepare, work, deepen what you have. Study, all that stuff. All of that stuff that makes you go there again. And and then the third thing you do with success is I think you try and share it with others. Mm. You try and use your platforms as an opportunity to give other people a platform so that they can come up as well because you're reminded of what a beautiful gift you have. Yeah, and how the people supported you or gave you an opportunity or gave you an interview or something yeah, there early was some, on. Yeah, there was someone successful who had to give you something yeah, in the beginning. Yeah, a piece of a wisdom. Uh, Coming a, on your podcast. Yeah, exactly. uh, uh, yeah, giving you an insight. A quote or whatever, yeah. yeah. Or even rejecting you. Like, yeah. what, even indirectly, someone had to do something. That's true. You know, it's funny because I love this approach to having humility when you succeed. And I also think, let me know if you think I'm you know, off here. I also feel like sometimes we get into a place where we're always putting it on other people like you know it's not about me it's about the team it's about this like I see that a lot as well where some people are more extreme like I'm the man and then other people are like you know what it wasn't me at all it was God it was the team like I just showed up you know (laughs) so I think there's a balance of I love this speech that Snoop Dogg gave (laughs) where he's I think it was like on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and he says like I want to thank me for me (laughs) I want to thank me for all those late nights I put in, for all the hard work, for like overcoming the rejection. Like he went on this thing and I want to thank me for like showing up. Yeah. And I think we also should acknowledge ourselves for, yes, people helped us. For sure. We got guidance. We had all this, this, this access, but Snoop Dogg still had to show up. Yeah. He still had to put in the hours and the time to make the results. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, correct me if I'm wrong, is it, is it good to also acknowledge ourselves for the, the work we put in, the wins, the things we do? Yeah, or is for it, sure. Or is it all about being humble and acknowledging everything else? I think it's about being honest. Yeah. It's honesty, right? Like humility means to be honest. It's like the ability to say, this is what this person deserves credit for, and this is what I deserve credit yeah, for, yeah, and this yeah. is what this person. It's like, it's kind of like when you write the uh, acknowledgements of your book, mm-hmm. right? You, mm-hmm. you write, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've, and, I, and I remember doing that process and really thinking about like, who's helped this book in different ways? And everyone gets their line in the acknowledgement who's made a difference. Now, your name goes on the front cover because you wrote the book. (laughs) Like you want everyone to receive the credit 
to the degree they merit it. Yes. And so you never want someone to feel like they didn't receive as much credit as they deserve. And at the same time, you don't want to give someone more credit than they deserve. The mm -hmm. point of credit is to give it where credit's due. Right. And so for me, that's honesty, that's humility. Uh, arrogance and pride is when you start to feel like only you did it on your own. And we all know that's just not true. Like, I can't say I did it all on my own. I, I just, I can't anyway. I definitely can't say that. And I can't say it was all other people. And so that is the, that's where honesty and humility, right. I think, live together. Yeah, acknowledging everything about it. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about, you know, a lot of people haven't learned about how to deal with failure or success. And I don't think people have been trained how to believe in themselves. And for mm -hmm. me, self-doubt is a big thing. I think it keeps people back from their dreams. And I'm curious, I'm gonna share five uh, mm -hmm. words with you. Beliefs, thoughts, words, actions, and intentions. Mm -hmm. How should we be thinking about beliefs, thoughts, words, actions, and intentions within our life? Because I think those five things dictate the results, the outcome, our feelings, all of this in mm -hmm. our life based on beliefs, thoughts, words, actions, intentions. How should we be thinking about these things? How should we be speaking to help us build our self-confidence? Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts? I'm throwing a lot at yeah. you here, but... No, let's go down each of them. Beliefs? So, let's, so let's start with beliefs. So... I think the first thing we have to do with beliefs is you have to realize everyone has them. It's not like you don't have beliefs just because you don't know what they are. Everyone has beliefs that they're currently living with. And I think life is about unlearning the beliefs you have and questioning the beliefs you have mm. and then creating new ones. So the first thing I do with beliefs. Unlearning. Yeah. From the beginning. From the beginning. What if your parents had the answers and the way and the religion and this? Should we be questioning it all? I think we should question it because questioning the, okay, questions are the most powerful invention oh, yeah. in the world because questions either strengthen or weaken a belief oh. based on the information. So questions aren't always from a place of doubt and cynicism and trying to find a weakness. Questions are a sincere request to figure out something. Like when we're sitting in these interviews, you're not sitting there trying to like, be cynical or be, you want to help yourself and people who are listening yes. and watching. And so that's a question, first of all. A question is not to cat someone off guard. A question is not to put someone down. A question is not to mislead people. A question is to uplift yourself and others. And when you ask a question in that way, the answer can either strengthen a belief you already have or weaken it mm -hmm. or introduce you to a new one. Why do we get so frustrated when our beliefs get questioned mm. when we have a belief that we put out in the world or we question someone's belief why do people when they get shaken in their beliefs they attack they they break down they yeah. whatever why why is that why don't people just say okay that's interesting let me look at that more yeah because we've defined our identity by our belief so imagine you're on one of these assault courses and you're on this rope and you're being told to swing to the next rope but in order to catch the next rope, you need to let go of this rope. But you're scared because this rope is currently your safety. So your current belief is your safety. And when you have to consider holding on to another belief and to entertain both together, you're scared that if that one doesn't hold, I'm basically going to fall. So people are scared that their belief is currently their safety net. And so even if it's wrong, it still makes them feel safe and they feel comfortable and we don't want to feel uncomfortable. So we'd rather hold on to that safety net, right? So the only way to do it... So how do we get comfortable with questioning our beliefs, 
but not being like holding on to nothing. Well, realizing that you don't have to change your mind or you don't have to leave what you think in order to entertain or yeah. be curious explore. about anything yeah. and explore. Like exploring, experimenting and experiencing can either strengthen the belief you have or help you find a new one. But you have to do that middle three E's of explore, mm. exploring, experimenting, and experiencing. Yeah. And the problem is that we are just theoretically thinking, we're not experiencing the benefit. And this is what I love about what you've done in your past. We've talked about this, how you know you grew up in a certain religion and then you started studying different religions to see, okay, let me just try this on and let yeah. me see what I like about this religion. And does that apply to, you know, can I let something go and what I yeah. grew up in? Not making anything right or wrong, but just saying what works for you. Correct. Right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I think taking that experiential journey of asking questions from different beliefs allows you to just say, okay, yeah, this is working for me already. I don't need to change. Exactly. And I like this and I'm going to keep growing yeah. and go from there, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I desire for safety and security. So what you're speaking about was when I was around 16, maybe 15, I, we used to celebrate Christmas yeah. every year. And Christmas is probably my favorite time of year. Yeah. We were talking about it. Like, <laughs> I love uh, listening to Christmas songs and I love Christmas decoration. And for me, Christmas is presents. Is presents. And, and so I grew up in a culture where we celebrated Christmas, but Christmas was presents and a family dinner. And because I went to my school in England, we'd celebrate all the religious holidays. So we knew about all the uh, main stories behind every major mm -hmm. world religion. And so I remember celebrating Christmas at home, but thinking, I don't know that much about Jesus. And should I not be connecting with Jesus? Because that's why we even have this day. And so I started going to church in my local area just out of curiosity. I wasn't trying to be a Christian or trying to be a Hindu or trying to be anything. I was just interested and yeah. curious to be like, what is it about Christ that created a day that has lasted thousands of years mm. that people all over the world celebrate? There must be something here. And so I feel like we get so scared because we want clear designations. We want like a clear title of I am this or I am that. And that gives us a sense of safety and security, but really answers come in the curiosity, not in the security. Yeah. Right? What does that identity do to us in a good way or in a negative way? In a good way, it creates a, and this isn't just about religious identity, it's any identity. Just I'm any a podcaster identity. Any or whatever. Yeah, it's not about Holding religion. on to this identity of yourself. Yeah. So in the good sense, it surrounds you with more people like that. So if I'm a podcaster, I hang out with more podcasters, we learn more about podcasting, and that's a great thing because we all become better podcasters. The mistake is I go, oh, I can only be a podcaster, but I can't write a book. I can't make a video. I can't do that now. And that's the mistake that it makes. Mm. So it should be evolving. These titles that we give ourselves, these communities should help us evolve, not devolve, yeah. and, and not stop us from expanding and growing. Okay. And, and so you want to be around people that are always curious and insightful. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Perfect sense. Okay, thoughts. Yes. Thoughts are something, what do we have? 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. 80% are negative. Yeah. And most of them are, are repeating thoughts. Yes. So let's talk about thoughts. Yeah. My favorite technique that I talk about in the book is called spot, stop, swap. Yep. And so that theme is all around how thoughts are meant to be spotted stop and reflect and then swap. And what I mean by that is, if you've got a thought that's repeating, like you said, and is negative, I'm guessing you don't want that thought around for too long. Mm -hmm. So you want to spot, when does that thought arrive? Does it arise when I'm with certain people? Does it arise when I'm on a particular social media platform? Does it arise when I go to a particular place? 
where is that, what is the seed of that yeah. thought, right? So once I identified that, I now need to stop, spend some time in stillness and go, is this thought benefiting me? Is this thought useful to me? Is this thought actually leading me to who I want to become? And if it's not, I need to swap it with a thought. So one of my favorite ways of, let's take an example of like, I feel less than, I feel mm. uh, like I'm not achieving anything. I'm no good. I'm no good, I'm not good enough. So you spot that and you go, oh, I always feel that when I'm going through this particular Instagram profile because I'm looking at someone who I think is better than me. Okay, what do I swap that with? You don't swap that with you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're incredible because you may not believe that yet, yeah. but you, stop it, you, you swap it with, I feel confident when. I feel attractive when. I feel happy and joyful when. And you figure out what is that thing that I need to be and do to feel that emotion. Yeah, because so don't, don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to yourself yeah. because lying to yourself is not going to get too far. And you're losing your integrity as well to yourself, totally. which makes you less confident. Yeah, like overall. I feel healthy when I exercise. Yeah. I feel happy when I spend time with my wife. Yeah, and there's a, there's a line that everyone uses, fake it till you make it, yeah. but it's really, you should be facing it till you make it. Like face that fear, face that doubt and say, okay, what can I do to improve this until I make myself feel better about it? If you want to get a result for the long term, yes. yes. Like if you just want to make yourself feel better instantly, then do what you need to do. Yeah. But if you really want to create a life that's fulfilling, that. that's yeah. thoughts. Thoughts are, can transform your life can, in a positive way or a negative way. Completely. And I feel like that's the foundation of our life is what we think. The best place to talk about that though with thoughts is the movie Inception. Mm. So you look at how a thought is planted into someone's mind and how in that movie, Leonardo DiCaprio in his wife's mind plants a thought that this is not real. And that thought grows into a belief. A belief that is so strong. It's crazy. Right? And yeah. it's like, that is literally what a thought can do. And you see that in the Joker movie. So I, I did a whole episode last year, which was all about like mental health and the Joker. And you look at the Joker stories. He's trying to bring joy to others, but everyone treats him badly. And so the thought sets in of I'm not worthy, I'm not valuable, my father doesn't want me, no one thinks I'm funny, everyone uh, makes fun of me, even yeah. when I go on TV, everyone's laughing at me. That idea becomes his reality. Now I get that that's a fiction movie, but the point is still that we see, even in today's world, that thoughts have the ability to become, I, I forget the word that Leonardo DiCaprio uses in the movie, but that thought. Like, yeah, cancer or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like a cancer in the mind, right? It like really just expands and so, I think we have to be so good at spotting, stopping mm -hmm. and swapping thoughts I love in the that. middle. Okay. So beliefs, we want to ask about everything and, and question everything. Yeah. Uh, spot, stop, swap, thoughts. What about words? How important is the things that come out of our mouth into existence? Harvard did a table, which I really believe is what mindful speaking is all about. Mm. So what is this? So it's called the, it's called Harvard list of emotions, but I, I kind of changed the name to emotional vocabulary because I think it sounds better. Okay. Uh, so an emotional vocabulary, if you look at all of the world's emotional vocabulary, it's very limited. We use five words to describe pretty much everything. Good, <laughs> bad, yeah. okay, fine, hmm. So it's like, how's your week going? Good. How's your day been? Bad. How are you feeling? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally, like we, we use such limited words and that may be okay for the majority of people, but in your personal relationships, it's so important to expand your emotional vocabulary. Mm. So this table that Harvard has made, which anyone can find just by typing in Harvard list of emotions on Google, 
what that does is that it shows you that when you say you're sad, what do you actually mean? So it gives you all this list of emotions that sit under the word sad. Are you irritated? Mm. Are you offended? Are you disappointed? Have you been let down? The more you expand your emotional vocabulary, the more you can diagnose how you feel. Interesting. And the more you can tell your partner or your friend. This is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm <laughs> actually feeling. Huh. And, and this is one of the biggest mistakes with words is that we think our words mean the same thing. Now, when you say love, you might think forever. And when I say love, I might think for tonight, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and that is literally how the word love or care or marriage or forever gets misused, abused and thrown about because we both mean different things. And our meanings are based on our backgrounds our and beliefs our beliefs but yeah. how we were born and yeah. how our, our parents our culture experience everything yeah it, it forms our meaning so i really believe that in a relationship in our communication with words define words mm. when you say yeah we're best friends or friends what does that mean to you when we're business partners what does that mean to you a contract in a financial legal sense is to define the terms right but in our emotional sense we also need to define the terms and we don't do that emotionally enough. And that's why we feel emotionally like someone broke the contract. Mm. And you have nothing to hold them to because you never made a contract. You, made a you never communicated. You never communicated The it. meaning of these words. Exactly. And that's why words are so powerful, but they're only powerful when we agree on the definition. Yeah. What are the words we should eliminate from our vocabulary? And what are the words we should be adding or using more of? Words that we should use more of in our life are words that give us the right feeling we want to feel. So I'll give you an example. Instead of saying, now I work super hard, I do get tired, and I do get exhausted sometimes. Uh, I'm very aware of it and I'm cautious of it. And I realized that for a long time, I just kept repeating, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And I'd say it to my wife, I'd say it to my team. I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, and I, and I still do it sometimes. So it's not that I'm perfect, but you're making me aware of it. And I say that, and I start to realize that, okay, it didn't make me feel better by saying it. And actually what I was trying to do was get validation from someone else to be like, I know how hard you work and you're amazing and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you're really doing it for a reaction. Yes. And then I start to realize, well, I am tired, but why don't I just say, I'm gonna make some time to nap today. Mm -hmm. uh, I, need to, I need to find some time today to rest. I need to make sure that I uh, you know, get some time to myself today. Like when you flip it, not by just saying, oh, I feel amazing, because I don't feel amazing. Again, you don't right. wanna lie to yourself, but you're trying to create words that help you actually get what you need. So me saying I'm tired, really what I need to be saying is, I need to get some more rest today. I better yeah. sleep early. Yeah. And when you go, oh, you know, to Radhi, Radhi, you know what? I think I'm going to sleep early tonight. That's, that's perfect because now I'll sleep early and I'll get the rest and I won't be tired. Yes. Go, hey, Radhi, I'm so tired. It just creates this negative pattern of complaining and whining and, and creating that in ourselves. What, what's the difference between a positive mantra and fake positive thinking? Because yeah. there's, you know, the power of positive thinking, but if it's not accurate to where you're currently at, it could be out of integrity with yourself and you could feel off. Yeah. So how do we have a positive mantra or a saying or thoughts or words that support our growth as opposed to, I'm fine when you're not fine? Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm trying to avoid. Yeah, yeah. Because when I'm tired, if I was told to just say to yourself, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm excited, I'm energetic, 
I may survive for 30 minutes more, but that's not going to survive for 30 days or three years. And so for me, I find connecting positive mantras to a act or an action. For example, if I'm tired and me saying, I think I need to eat on time, that action is what's going to solve the fatigue long term. Or me saying, I need to sleep early tonight, that action is going to solve the fatigue long term. So to me, the positive mantra needs to be linked to an action and a habit that's actually going to relieve you in the long term of that pain point, mm. right? Yeah. Or like, I need to get my schedule to be more organized on Monday mornings. And and my favorite example with that, again, I don't know if, yeah, this with the words is the definition that I think we see this most prominently in, in is the definition of time. Mm. So, so many friends will come to me and say, my partner doesn't spend enough time. time. Or I don't have enough time. time. And what they're really saying is, from a partner point of view is, I really want energy, intimacy, and presence, and attention. It's attention. You're not asking for time, you're asking for attention. Mm -hmm. And I've had friends who have gone on weekends away with their partners and they'll come back and their partner on Monday morning will say, I wish we had more time together. And the partner's thinking, well, but we just spend the whole weekend together. But they're like, no, because you were doing your work and by the beach and you were reading your book and I was trying to take care of the kids. And you realize it was never time. It was attention. It was intimacy. It was presence. And so if we don't define those words, right, words are all about definitions. If you don't mm. define them, people will break that contract and that emotional contract and you have nothing to hold them to. Well, you didn't have the you guys weren't aligned to your contract. No, not at all. You just there had your belief yeah. that like, oh, she understands me, he understands me. Like this is the way it is in my life and it must be the same way in their life. Exactly. What are the actions we should be adding more of in our life and mm-hmm. the ones we should be eliminating? I think actions that we should be adding more of in our life are actions that create positive habits. I think it has to be mm-hmm. habits oriented. It has to be stuff that we can repeat and and in Think Like a Monk, I talk about the four key habits in your day, which are thankfulness, inspiration, meditation, and exercise, which is the acronym of time. So make more time in your day for thankfulness, inspiration, meditation, and exercise. Those are four actions that I think if everyone wants to take in their day, this is what happens. When you're thankful, you boost your immunity, you boost your self-confidence, you boost your mood yeah. because you go, oh, people love me. That means I matter. People care about me. That means I have something to care about. So it boosts your mood. And then when you tell people that you're thankful, you now boost connection and relationship. And when you thank someone, you now boost the feeling of I have people in my life that care about me and I care about them. So much comes out of that one action, inspiration or insight, listening to a podcast, reading a book, reading a quote. When you do that, again, you feel mm-hmm. excited, you yeah. feel enthused, you feel like you're learning, you feel like your mind actually works and that they can go somewhere. So that's a great action. Meditation, of course, we've talked about at length in the beginning. And exercise, people just don't understand that we could solve so many of our challenges simply by sleep and exercise and diet. Like those three things- Change your life. Could change your life. And, and we have to just get focused on one at a time. Mm-hmm. And so in actions, I I talk about this thing in principle is we want things to be small steps, but big priorities. Mm. So if you want to change an action in your life, it needs to be a big priority and then you need to break it down into small steps. What we try and do is we try and change everything at the same time. Yeah, we're like, okay, I'm going to only eat lettuce. I'm going to work out three (laughs) hours a day. I'm going to sleep 10 hours. I'm going to be, it's like you need to shift your identity around 
like the thing and take the small steps towards it, but don't try to do everything right away. Yeah. Like if you want to be healthy and in shape, then you just need to change your identity to say, I am Mr. Fitness. Yeah. Right. I am fitness. Yes. And I'm going to start living my habits and my actions towards being in fitness in, in good health. Yeah. But you can't cut you can't change every habit right away. No. Because then you'll get burnt out after two weeks. You'll be like, this is exhausting. Yeah. I'm not Mr. Fitness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You need to change your mindset and then take those small actions. Exactly. And there's a beautiful quote from, this is more like an underpinning. Actually, this kind of leads to the next one. We'll save it for the next one. Yep. Intentions. Yeah. So there's a beautiful quote from the Dalai Lama where he said that we're born to help people. And if we can't help them, let's at least not hurt them. And I think that's the intention, that you want to leave every person happier than you found them, leave every place cleaner than you found it, leave every project more productive than you found it. Like you want to feel that if you couldn't uplift something or someone, at least don't pull it down. And I think that when you live like that in your intention, mm -hmm. people feel that. This isn't necessarily something that you even have to say or do. People feel that when you just leave a place and you, all you wanted to do was give your energy in a positive way. So to me, intention is just coming from a place of how do I leave every person just mm -hmm. a little bit happier than I found them. I don't have to change their life. Right. But how try do not I, to hurt them. Try not to hurt them. With everything that's been happening in the world right now, I'm hearing a lot of people say that intention isn't enough. Mm -hmm. Like having a positive, you had a, I had a good intention to like say the right thing, but it offended someone and it impacted them in a negative way. Yeah. So how do people understand that that it's it's about intention but it's also you might hurt people you might offend people even if you weren't intending to how do we shift that in our minds and our actions mm. to sync up our intentions to actually impacting people in a positive way yeah that, you know what i mean it's like yeah it's so no it's really just, it makes so much sense the a real deep intention means that you will care and do the research and study mm. and often we have a good intention, but it's not the deepest, greatest intention, so we try and wing it. It's based on our beliefs. Correct. As opposed to doing the research of other things. Correct. Mm. And so really good intentions are make you ask questions and make you care and make you compassionate. And sometimes that doesn't mean saying a lot. Sometimes that means listening, learning, receiving, understanding. And I think when we are trying to show our good intentions, we say a lot and it may be taken the wrong way. Yeah. But when we really want to be our good intentions, we're just listening and, and learning and asking good questions. And, and you do that really well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, whenever, even if we're, you're this person, even if we're on a dinner, like <laughs> Lewis yeah. will ask this many questions, even if we're having dinner yeah. and we'll go back and forth and I'll ask questions. And, but you, you're a really curious and inquisitive person mm -hmm. in, a, in a positive sense. And that's why people always feel very comfortable around mm. you to open up and share because they feel that you're really listening. Right. And so I think that's a big part of it is that uh, when, when we're doing that, the second part is even if you do all of that, there will be people that get offended. Yes. So even if you master the way of communicating and you really care and you do the research, there'll be people that get offended. And what you have to realize is that there are just so many more triggers right now. So many to everyone's lives and there are deep triggers there too. There's historic triggers. There's, there's so much going on that you can't make it about you. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, how did they get offended me? I, I tried so hard, but it's like, don't make it about you because there's so many more things at play here. There's so much more going on. So again, we try and reflect it because we want to be liked 
or considered to be supportive. Yes. But we're not realizing there's just so much more at play here. So much and more. And so as long as you did your part and you tried and, and you acted, then that's great. But this, Yeah, this is something, you know, we talked about this a couple of nights ago at your, at your place talking about detaching yourself, like yeah. being unattached to how other people react to you and respond to you because it's very hard at times if you're attached to the result of other people's opinions to let it affect you. I'm yes. one to blame for that as well. Me too. Like when someone when I feel like people are coming at me, I'm like, oh like chill out. I'm not trying to hurt anyone <laughs> here, right? And we the one of the greatest things we can learn is to be unattached. That's what I've learned from you and so many other great people is like don't be attached to people hating on you or the triggers because then you'll be staying in a suffering state. Yeah. Like you've got to be unattached. It's not easy. No. We're all human beings. Totally. But that's something, I want to talk about that the next time. Yeah, for we don't, sure. That's something sure. we could do like for a sure. whole master class yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, but I want to ask you a couple of final questions. Yes. Your whole podcast is about on purpose. What's the difference between discovering your purpose, finding your purpose, living it, and living a purposeful life? I think that living your purpose is where it's so much about you and your journey. And living a purposeful life is when you're now letting that overflow into everyone else's life. Mm -hmm. So it's like you want to find your purpose and you want to feel satisfied in that. But a purposeful life is where you are igniting other people's purposes and it's overflowing yeah. with that love and that compassion and gratitude. And that's hard because it takes time. And you can't expect people to do that while they're still filling up too. And, and I think sometimes we, you know, everyone will always look like they're finished and they're done and they made it. You know, it's like no one's ever made it. And you speak to some of the most successful people in the world and even they don't feel they've made it. And so we are always doing both at the same time. You're always filling up your purpose and you're always trying to be purposeful at the mm -hmm. same time. But you're not ever going to be fully in purpose and you're never fully going to be purposeful. It's all a symbiotic relationship that has to happen in parallel. Yeah. Does that make sense to your question? It makes sense to yeah. me. I've got so many other questions I want to ask, <laughs> but I want to be mindful of time. You've got a book out right now that is called Think Like a Monk. I've read this book. It's amazing. I want everyone to go get it. Go pick it up. Tag uh, Jay when you pick it up. Tag me. Let us know that you got it. Let me know the insights that you found are helpful from it. I'm telling you, you will read this thing over and over again. It's really powerful. If you enjoyed this, you will love that. So that's action one, number one. I want people to go buy your book right now. Buy it for a friend, family member. The subtitle is Train Your Mind for Peace and Purpose Every Day. So if you feel out of purpose, out of peace, this will support you with amazing tools, science, research, everything. It's unbelievable. That's action number one. Action number two Go check out Jay's podcast, On Purpose, and subscribe over on Apple, Spotify, and also listen to the episode that I just did on your show, because yeah. most people don't get to hear me on my show that much, because I'm interviewing, but I feel like I probably did the best interview you were, with you. You were in flow. I have to say, fun, like, you were in flow. I was just sitting there listening <laughs> and absorbing. Everyone's going to love that episode, yeah, yeah. man, and it's, uh, you were just you were so open, so vulnerable, but you had some great insights that people could really practice. And yeah, definitely everyone should check it out. Yeah. So go check out Jay's podcast. Uh, check out that episode. Let me know what you think. And there's two other episodes that we have here from Jay in the past that are amazing. He's got his three truths. If you want to go listen to that, his definition of greatness. So go check out those so you can see the end of those as well. And uh, I appreciate you, man. You're just, uh, you're always got so much wisdom, so much love, so much just like peace, you bring peace to every space you go into. <laughs> Thank you, man. And so I'm just so grateful for our friendship and for your time today. 
And I feel like we can go on for like master class. Like every page, I'm like, this is a master class. Well, we do when we're together. I know. We, spoke I, we, we should start night. recording these we things. We spoke the other night for like four three, four hours. hours. Yeah, just, and that's normal. Like that's normal for us. So, but that's what's so special about that. For me, that's the. It's those special parts of the friendship that make this more fun. Yeah. Make that more fun. It's like having private and public relationships are so beautiful to have both. You know what's funny is yeah. I feel like I never run out of questions to ask you or myself when we're hanging out. It's like we're always finding new things to talk totally. about. Totally, always. Yeah, we never get bored. We're always like talking about thoughts and beliefs and ideas and like yeah. how to make the world better and yeah. how do we impact more people. How and do we improve? What growth areas we yeah, have to... Yeah, where, where what are we missing in our lives? Yeah. Like, But you do that. You have that energy. Like That's what I mean that Lewis on the podcast and Lewis behind the scenes, you're the same person. You're just inquisitive, curious, always yeah. wanting to know. It's that like we talk a lot about curiosity and asking questions, but I don't think we all do it enough in our daily lives, yeah. you know, so. It really enriches relationships when you have a curious mind. Even oh, with yeah. your with a partner, if you can continue to ask them interesting questions, different yeah. questions, it's gonna make you look at them in a different way and the yeah. relationship's gonna continue to grow and evolve. Totally. And that's what I love about your relationship with uh, with your wife, Roddy, about how you guys really practice meditation in the, in the mornings together for a couple hours. And you have that space and time to think and allow for questions to come and go. Totally. And you can interact and experience life together in a beautiful way. Of yeah. course, you have your ups and downs, but it's like, if there's something I took away from this is give yourself a minimum of 20 minutes a day totally. to allow for questions and answers to come to you, yeah. to the problems you have in your life. Yeah. Ask questions to shift beliefs and see what works for you. Make sure you spot, stop, and swap thoughts to support you and serve other people. Uh, make sure you use actions that have positive habits to them. Make sure your intentions are not to hurt people and always question your beliefs. And then ask these three questions every day. How can I be of service today? What can I love about myself? And what do I want to be that I can love? And if you do those things, you're gonna start living a better life. So, sure. Jay, my man, I love you, brother. Love Appreciate you, you. Love the school of greatness, man. Appreciate it's you, awesome. man. Thank you, brother. Make sure you guys get the book, check out his podcast, and uh, we'll have you back on soon, man. Amazing, thank you, man. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, my friend. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure to share it. You always can have the opportunity to impact someone's life. And that's what we're all about here, is changing lives. So just copy and paste the link and text a couple of friends, post it on social media. Make sure to tag me at Lewis Howes and Jay Shetty over on Instagram so we can stay connected and see who is listening and if this impacted you in a big way. And make sure to check out my friend's book. Jay Shetty's book is out right now and I'm telling you, this book is going to be a massive resource for you for many years to come. I've gone through it a few times and it's really inspiring, super powerful, insightful. So go pick up a couple copies of his book as well. And if you want weekly inspiration from me, then text the word podcast to 614-350-3960. And I want to leave you with this quote from St. Francis de Sales, who said, where there is peace and meditation, there is neither anxiety nor doubt. Find time today and every day to create peace, to create silence in your mind and build joy in your heart. And if no one has told you today, you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. I'm so grateful for you, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. 
you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out. Yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and nada yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days.